What is up, everyone, and welcome into episode 28 of the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike. My name is Mike Johnston from Mike'sLessons.com, and my co-host, who will be joining me shortly, is Mr. Mike Dawson, Managing Editor of Modern Drummer Magazine. Now, in this week's episode, we have a ton of stuff to get to, and we're going to dive right in with a couple listener questions. We'll also check out the new 40th anniversary Modern Drummer snare drums in our Shop Talk section. Our featured artist this time will be Mr. Rashid Williams. You'll know him from amazing gigs like John Legend and Jill Scott. In our gear review section, we'll check out some custom snares from VK Snare Drums. And as always, we'll give you our picks of the week. So let's get started. Welcome in, everybody, to episode 28. I am not in New York anymore. Mike is still in New York. By the way, I couldn't have lucked out more with your guys' weather. No snow, a little bit of rain, which I'm cool with, but it, it wasn't bad at all, man. Really? Well, but there had to been a lot of snow up there. No, there was none in oh, upstate New York. I missed that whole area. Mm. Yeah, none at all. And and I spent more time in the city than I did in upstate New York. Really? Um, yeah, I was at JP's for two days. I got there two days early, just I hadn't seen the kid in a while. Wanted to spend some time with him. Matt got there a day early, and we just kind of had our bro time. And then uh, I stayed an extra day for Super Bowl Sunday after the camp was over. Um, hung out with JP. And then um, there's a guy that JP plays with named Dave McKay, and he does all the play-alongs for Mike'sLessons.com. Right. He lives in New York. So we've been working together musically for two years and have never really hung out. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so it was great. But uh, but everything was fantastic. Um, weather-wise, yeah, I couldn't have been happier. How was the so, camp? Man, it was next level. Um, I was really – it's it's hard to say now um, – because I don't want it to seem like I was false advertising, but there was a uh, a doubt in my mind that I could or we could create the family vibe and the the compassion and everything that happens at a camp here in six days with eight people. How are we going to create that in two days with 30 people? Yeah. And so to me, I, I went in just thinking it's not a camp. It's a two-day master class, and I'm not going to get close to anybody. I won't know anyone's name, which really bums me out. Yeah. But it is what it is. So the opposite. Really? Day, yeah. Day two was the end. Or we did two full days, and on the third morning, that's when we all said goodbye, 30 people went around and kind of said what they learned from the camp and what they're going to focus on when they get home. And I would say at least half of them, at least 15, broke down in tears. Wow. Like, and, including myself, JP, and Matt. <laughs> we were, you know, we were endorsed by Kleenex just sniffling our asses off like children. Um, that's great. Yeah. And then... And then, uh, so yeah, it was fantastic, man. It, it was so unbelievable how that vibe came together so fast. But it was it was so quick, and you know, I, I know we had talked about getting you up there, and I think that was kind of in my thought of the camps that I do that are six days long. Yeah, it, 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 there was no time like yeah. for anything. It went so unbelievably fast, and but yeah, we just had a great time, and we tried everything we could to make sure that every camper out of those thirty got some real individual personal time with us during lunches and dinners and breakfasts and stuff. And we had a, had a fantastic time. I learned a ton from JP and Matt. And you and I talked, I guess, around the time of the London Drum Show about how I've kind of made some mental breakthroughs and just, I guess, personal breakthroughs, being allowed to enjoy other drummers instead of sizing them up and be like, oh, in, that, in a yeah. negative way, like, oh, I'll never live up to that. Yeah. They're too fast. It was so great to be around these two guys that are my two best friends, I've done probably 20 or 30 clinics with both of them, and this was the first time ever that I actually got to accept the information as a student. I wasn't judging Matt or JP's delivery like yeah. I normally would. I wasn't judging their drumming in how it relates to I can never live up to that. 
I just sat there and soaked it in. And it's so funny because both of their clinics were things that I've been on stage with them in the past that they've done. It wasn't new information for me, but it was the first time I ever got to take that information and relate it to my own personal drumming and think like, oh, wow, I'm I'm just going to practice that. I wish I was better at that. So it was great, man. That's cool. I had a similar yeah. experience. I went to see Wilco on Friday. Okay. And I, Glenn Kochi and I, Glenn might have been the first like pro drummer that I became friends with when, when I started the job here. So I've known him since probably 2005, something like that. So about 10 years of, of interacting and hanging out whenever he's in town. And, you know, so we, we've become friends, sure. which is still kind of weird because Wilco weird. is one of my favorite bands. Right. So the first time I went to see them and met the band, it was like, it was like, you know, starstruck. Like I'm meeting Def, Jeff Tweedy, the lead singer, and it was like, it was a freaky. He, he kind of played it up too. He kind of snuck me on the bus and didn't tell me the whole band was in there. I was like, whoa, all right. Whoa. What's up, Wilco? <laughs> right, right. What's up, my favorite band? Yeah. So anyway, this Friday, I went to see them in Brooklyn. And it was kind of the same thing. Like I usually go see them and I just get kind of jealous. Like, man, I could be doing that. I could be playing in a band on these kind of rooms. And, but he's, he's so phenomenal that, and we're so different as as players that it, like what he does is so unique with all the implements and he's constantly changing like putting drum heads on top of other drum heads and his he's putting shakers on his hi hat all kinds of crazy right. stuff. But this is the first time I went and just saw him and just was like, this is an amazing band. I wasn't even really oh. listening to the drumming at that point. Isn't that was, the best? Yeah, was like finally just settled in. Like, okay, they're just amazing. I'm so proud of him. Yeah, he's like a, a friend now. I'm not. I'm not trying to like live up to his standards or anything. Right. Yeah, it was yeah. cool. Yeah, no, it is a weird transition to make for sure. And uh, and I go through it definitely. Another thing I wanted to mention about the camp um, was we had a guy there. I, I'm terrible with ages, so I would say maybe mid-40s at the most. His name was Scott Kurth, and he'd been playing for six months. Oh, wow. And, just decide, and he listens to the podcast. And he's like, I'm going, dude. And I just... I was just so blown away that almost every camper mentioned him as the most inspirational person because they got to relive what the first six months of drumming is like through his eyes. That's awesome. It was so incredible because I, I doubt he came in thinking he was going to be the main focus of inspiration. But you've got 16-year-olds there that have 30,000 followers on Instagram. Yeah. And they've been doing it since they were five. They don't remember. They don't even have a slight memory of what it was like to learn your first rudiment or to be stuck on alternating flams. And so they just got to relive the first six months of drumming life through his eyes and through his wonderment. And because he happened to have a fantastic personality, he really shared the experience with them. And it was, it was just incredible, man. It was totally incredible. I think he's the one that was emailing us about the the camp or something like that. Yeah. Saying he wasn't going to go unless you were there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, He scolded me in front of everybody. And he was like, He's like, he, <laughs> he started yelling. He's like, you better, you'd better mention that pod, that podcast. And I'm like, dog, I, I don't promote anything ever, like in public. And he's like, well, you better mention it because it's a great podcast and everybody needs to listen to it. And he's like uh, shouting at the crowd. That's and, awesome. But anyways, it was really cool. And it reminded me that everyone has a role, you know what I mean? And when yeah. you, when we zoomed out of that camp, it was like, okay, that guy's role is to remind everyone how amazing this instrument is when you, cause when you're that new at an instrument, you learn so fast, yeah. you know, eventually you plateau and the learning becomes more difficult. But, um, yeah, so it was very cool, man. Very cool stuff. Um, right. well, I'm glad you're, yeah, buddy. I'm sure you're happy to be home, right? 
I am, man. I'm, I'm I'm happy because that was my last thing until I start my camps in uh, in April, late April, oh, wow. much early May. Great. So I'm I'm now just in 100 percent wrap up the website mode. I've got uh, my in ear impressions today. I'm getting new in ears. Sweet, congrats. Yeah, man. I'm excited. So I've, I'm gonna. Um, I've had the UE4s, which are like the dual driver, $399 ultimate ear yeah. in-ears. I've had them for almost six years now, and they're starting to – like the the plastic is starting to wear down on yeah. me. Because I, I wear my in-ears almost all day long because all I'm doing is recording and stuff. Um, and so, so, yeah, I decided to go with the UE11s, which are spe- specifically custom-built for drummers and bass players. Yeah. Um, more low-end, crossovers built in. So I, I'm so excited, not for, just for those – but to be able to finally tell my students, is there any difference between $400 and $1,100? Uh, yeah. You know, because I've never known. I have no clue. And I and I want to be able to tell them either or. I don't really care. I just want to be able to tell them the truth. I want to tell them, dude, I have them both. I cannot tell the difference. Save your money. Or I want to tell them, look, I know it's a ton of money, but I promise it is a life-changing difference. Yeah. But, but I've never been able to tell them one way or the other because I have – you know, Shure's top of the line non-custom molds, which, in my opinion, don't even compare to the bottom of the line custom molds right. because of the seal that you get. So, nothing against Shure. That's just <laughs> the ones that I have. They're fantastic. They're actually sitting on my desk right now. So, um, so very, very cool stuff. Oh, and then the last thing that we need to talk about, you and I, off of the podcast, is I've got a new prototype uh, product with Minel, and I just got the first prototype today. So, Sweet. or yesterday, yeah. So. Uh, it'll be something that I think you will really dig personally, um, and I think the world really needs it right now. So as it gets developed, we'll we'll just keep telling our listeners cool. more and more details. Hope we can uh, maybe we can do an advanced scoop on the show then. That would be perfect. I would love to, and we'll we'll definitely debut the audio here. So, all right. Uh, in a little bit more sad news, but in in my mind, just because of the way that I deal with death, it's not sad. It's actually a huge celebration. Uh, Mr. Joe Hibbs passed away this week. Joe Hibbs was the artist rep for Mapex Drums uh, and one of the good guys in the industry. And I just spent a grip load of time with him at NAM and not on the NAM floor. Like as soon as he saw me, he grabbed me, said, let's go in the back. And he spent a half hour talking to me. And we're, we're, we've always been pretty close through Russ Miller and through Matt Halpern. Uh, but we, we just spent time. The one thing I just wanted to really mention about Joe that I loved is we became very close and even in this last NAM, we spent a half hour in a private room together just talking, and he never, ever once said, hey, just if you're unhappy at Gretsch, just know we're here for you. He's never even brought it up once, yeah. and I just love that about him so much. He first thing he would do is ask me about Amber. He'd ask me about the dogs. He'd ask me about teaching and what is next. And then he actually, Dom Famularo came in the room, and he just started yelling at Dom about how I was the future of everything. <laughs> That's funny. I was like, this is awkward. <laughs> but, I mean, he just – and then – and then he said goodbye, you know, and you're kind of waiting for that moment for him to be like, hey, here's my card if you ever yeah. want to think about Mapex. And that moment never happened with him no matter, no matter how many dinners I had with him. So did you know Joe at all? Yeah, I mean, we had more just a professional relationship, um, mm. but it was it was regular because every time we would do a review of Mapex, he would be my contact. So okay. he was always great. I know he, he was working his butt off, so we didn't, I mean, it was, our conversations were always short to the point but he was really good at you know because in in my position i'm kind of uh, you know kind of a sitting duck for marketing guys to just beat me up you know like sure yeah of course every every word i write they're they're you know they're analyzing it and criticizing it and there was a time you know when when we published some some 
criticisms of Mapex products years ago. I mean, they've since improved on every level exponentially, but I had some critiques on some stuff and they weren't too happy about it. But Joe was sure. always one to just kind of diffuse the situation, just kind of be like, hey, we're all here to just, you know, make everything better. And he was a great dude. I wish I knew him more. Um, everyone has nothing but great things to say about him. I know he's been around the was around the industry forever. So, oh my god, I, I honestly, <laughs> yeah, I didn't really know until when he passed, and everybody started putting up their pictures of him. And I'm like, oh wow, that's that's an old photo, and he is still, you know, he was a big big dog back then. Yeah. I, I just I just see it as one of those things as how much he touched my life, and I only saw him maybe twice a year at the most. So he must have the people like Matt Halpern. Uh, Dorico Watson, Russ Miller, the people that worked him on with him on a daily basis, his influence must have been huge. And that's just not a life that you can be sorrowful. You know, it's like you should celebrate that. I think that's awesome. Yeah, exactly. And we're all here for a limited time, man. So whatever you got, touch as many people as possible and inspire them in some way. And he definitely did that for me in a very, very short time. So, Joe Hibbs, you will be missed, my friend. All right, let's get into some listener questions. What do you got, Mr. Dawson? I have quite a few, so we're just going to get to a couple of them. First, uh, first was not a question, but a comment. This is from AJ. He actually posted to moderndrummer.com, which I didn't realize we allowed comments on our website. So it was a bit of a delay getting to it. Our, uh, our web guy was awesome. like, hey, by the way, there's a, there's a comment floating on our website. Just <laughs> ripping you guys apart. <laughs> but he just said, uh, you know, he loves the show, but he's surprised with all of our mutual love for Matt Chamberlain that we've never mentioned his work with the Wallflowers. Oh. Which I'm surprised we haven't, because I, if I had to pick two Matt Chamberlain records, it would be the first Wallflowers record and the second Fiona Apple record, which were recorded yeah. in the same year. So those would be yeah, the two. that was, and they're so I mean opposite ends of the exactly. spectrum. They they are the two versions of Matt. He can yep. be as Wallflowers and just as straight ahead, no fills, no frills as you want, and kills it. And then he can do the Fiona Apple record, the second one that just was. You can't tell what's percussion and what's drum set. Yeah, you know? I think I've listened to those two records more than anything else in the past fifteen years. Wow! So, well, to, to be honest, to our listener, what was his name again? AJ. AJ. Uh, it's so funny. I mean, I, I guess you only see the drummer for the the ones that they influenced you on, the ones that were part of your life. And that Wallflowers record was. I was in a very heavy rock band at the time, so it. I guess it wasn't artsy enough for me to uh-huh. like. It was too poppy, and I was turning my ear off from that. You know, um, I, I think. I mean, I can only assume what I was going through with my slammed hat and my yeah. hooped earrings <laughs> and my my baggy dickies. That I was too cool for the wallflowers. Your baggy and I'm sure Dickies, dickies, Ben Davis, what? like wor- workman pants. Oh, those. Yeah, oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> Come oh, on, wow. man. What in the 1996 just happened to you? I was thinking of the uh, the shirts that don't have any like they're like half shirts, Dickies. Oh no 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 no, <laughs> Dickies the brand. I had my you know my slammed khaki Dickies like Fred Durst. Anyways, anyways, <laughs> did you just snort? <laughs> I think Dickies warrants a snort. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Dickies and sexy tuplets will get you every time. Oh, so so yeah so. That Wallflowers record wasn't in my kind of rotation of Matt Chamberlain at the time because it was more the artsy stuff. It was his personal stuff with Critters Bug, and it was the stuff with Tori Amos, and it was the stuff with Fiona Apple that was really constantly rolling through my stuff. Now, is that, since you seem to know it, is that album a great album as well, or is it just one or two singles with some filler songs? No, I think it's it's start to finish a great singer-songwriter kind of classic American 
rock pop record it's it's cool. so good and and he doesn't change his sound up a ton so it's not super experimental so you're getting to hear him like do what he does on regular songs like not right. not crazy gear the snare i mean the tones are are absurd i mean the snare yeah. the snare tone on one headlight i think is an archetype i i can hear it right now in my head yeah we've all been chasing that drum sound i think that was like a aluminum no it was a solid uh noble and coley i believe four by 14 how do you know all this, bro? I, I tell you, I researched all this. I, I asked him because I interviewed him about his whole discography. And that was because everyone's saying, can you get like a one headlight sound? I'm like, I guess, but I don't know what it is. It's, wow. a, it's a piccolo, solid maple, noble and coolie snare. I'm pretty sure. Wow. Just tuned down a bit. Just a little bit. I mean, it's still kind yeah. of cracky. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, it's and it's just one of those tracks where the drums were so present in the mix. Yeah. It. It was pretty amazing. But yeah, I remember, you know, it's like a test for a student. I think AJ even mentioned in his comment, uh, you know, to go that long with no real fills, right. no breaks, just stay there, just stay there. And knowing it wasn't like, you know, Pro Tools time where it's like, hey, just give us that groove for a quick second and we'll just yeah. loop it. I mean, I, I guarantee he played that track. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, do you know the uh, the inspiration behind that? Be, the his, drum tones or the yeah, song? No, his inspiration for that part. No. Uh, that was the same time that Tom Petty's Wildflowers came out. Oh. And the song, You Don't Know How It Feels. Sure. Steve Ferroni doesn't play a single drum fill in the entire song. So the story is Matt and his bass player were really digging that record, and they were tracking the Wildflowers record, and they just weren't getting a good take for the song. So they just decided, why don't we try that You Don't Know How It Feels vibe and play no fills and see what happens. And that wow. was it. So Steve Ferroni oh. influenced Matt Chamberlain to play one of I mean, those are two incredible drum performances, both of which have no drum fills. Wow. So all, you know, all your linear licks and stuff. <laughs> oh, boy. I didn't know you were going to attack me personally today. What the hell, man? I'm still on East Coast time. Uh, it's like, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Wait, that, that doesn't work, actually. East Coast time means that it should be like noon for me. I should be fine. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Coming after the linear chops. That's no, fine, it is, man. It, both of those records, Tom Petty, Tom Petty, Wildflowers, and the Wallflowers first record, Bringing Down the Horse, I think it's called. Okay. Defined a lot for me because I play in that style. I play singer songwriter music a lot, so I think that's those are two of the all time best performances ever recorded. So sorry, AJ. I thought we talked about it. We should have. I should have at least. And the other thing he said was, um, I had picked the Evans Magnetic Key as my pick of the week at one point, and he said yep. they also make a threaded one that goes on top of a cymbal stand, which I have not seen. Not a chance. So I got to check that out. I'm way too OCD for not for my wing nuts to not all match. <laughs> really? I don't care how functional it is. It just would not a chance in hell. Really? I, my OCD. Dude, I can't even play if my logos aren't straight. Are you kidding? Really? Just going to have some random ass drum key on the top of my cymbal stand? I don't even use wing nuts half the time. <laughs> <laughs> then I could then I could do that if I had no wing nuts, but I couldn't have like one just sitting there, just like, hey, what's up, Mike? I'm a wing nut, and I'd be like, are you nuts? Get off my drum set! I'm, not, I'm going sans wing nuts today. Yeah, AJ, I'm totally with you on the Matt Chamberlain thing on the uh, random drum key sitting on top of a cymbal stand. I can't do that, uh, and that's you know what? That's the beauty of this podcast. We're just going with full full blown transparency. Yeah, I don't know that but, I uh, want to thread a drum key on a cymbal stand. It seems like a pain in the butt to me. Yeah. If it has like a quick release, maybe. But I do like the magnetic key a lot. I use that daily. Yeah, I mean, I've tried. I, I think sometimes drum keys just need to be a drum key. You know, they're gonna they're gonna eventually end up in your dryer 
at home anyways. <laughs> just go, kick kick Dude, that's the scariest thing ever. When it stays in your pocket for like the first 20 minutes of the dryer cycle and you go to bed and then it just falls out of your pocket and starts going, kick And it's just like, someone's playing cowbell downstairs. I got to run down and like fight some random burglar that's got a cowbell. Have you ever played a gig and not had a drum key and freaked out because you couldn't get your bass drum beater attached? Wow. <laughs> that's wow. I have not. I, I don't, I guess, um, when I put my bass drum pedal into my, I use, I put it in my entire hardware bag, but I just take the spring off to fold the beater down. So I've never taken the beater out. Oh, okay. Um, so, but, but I can tell you this, I just did the common thread drum camp and didn't ring a key and both Matt and JP were like, how do you not have a drum key? I'm like, <laughs> Dog, why why would I need a drum key? I'm going to be in a room full of 30 drummers. That yeah. someone's got to have a drum key. Like yeah. so yeah, I've I've uh I've I've been I've been caught off guard a few times sans drum key and that's that's no good. No yeah. good at all. I've had so. to use like pliers to adjust things. That's, that's rough. Fun. That's rough. Yeah. I'm not OCD, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> what is next in the listener questions? All right, one more. This came from Austin. He's from India. Um, and he wanted to know, basically he says, I started playing drums on a rolling pad and using pedals, and now he just switched over to the acoustic kit. Oof. Um, he's, but his playing style is he plays left hand on the hi-hats, right hand on the snare, right foot on the bass drum. Perfect. Um, he says, is it good to play like this, or should I turn over to learn the normal way? Um, oh. No. And he's a right-hander, but he plays drums left-handed. Yeah, you play left hand lead on a right hand kit, which I think is that's that's the dream for me. I, I yeah. wish I could play that way, so I had the whole drum set open to me. Um, who's the guy? You probably know him. Uh, is it Klaus Hessler? Yeah, has Klaus the, from Germany. Yeah, yeah, that guy's got a whole DVD on open handed drumming. Yeah, and, a couple and of books. he's he's right handed, right? He just mm-hmm. plays left hand lead. Yeah, he does both. Yeah, and he's I mean it's it's such a brilliant way to play the drum set. So I I can tell you this, buddy, when when I get students that are left-handed, I can't be more and they haven't played drums yet. I can't be more excited for them cuz if they will trust me, I will put them on a journey that will give them more ability on the drum set than I have myself. Yeah. Especially with melodies and being able to really involve the drum set. What about you? Do you feel the same or Yeah, I mean, if I would go back to I can remember when I got my first drum set when I was nine years old, it was one of those little toy drums with a little snare drum, a little rack tom, a splash cymbal mounted on, yep. the, on the bass drum. So I remember deciding to set it up right-handed. But I'm actually a left-handed person. Oh, are you really? So okay. I, I, at first I set it up left-handed because I thought that would be – I wanted to play the bass drum with my left foot. But then I was watching MTV, and I'm like, nobody does that. So that must be wrong. <laughs> it just must be wrong. And that's, right. you know, that's the woe of being left-handed. You're always wrong. So I mean, I taught myself how to write with my right hand. Oh my goodness! So I didn't want to. I didn't want to have to deal with all the ink going all over my arm and stuff. Right. So now I write right-handed. I can't write left-handed at all. So I remember that day of of teaching, of forcing myself to play right-handed. I also remember the day that I forced myself to to learn right-hand lead because okay. I was playing a right-handed drum set, but I was like left-hand lead. All my fills were starting with the left hand. Oh sure, like sure. Ringo style. And it was learning the song Sunday Bloody Sunday by U2 that I decided that something's not right. I'm having to cross over all the time. So let me just learn right-handed. So if I could go back, I would just be a left-handed drummer. I would just start over and be left-handed. Right. But right-footed? But right-footed. Yeah. yeah. I think I think for, for I think socially, you just need to play a right-handed drum set. I don't really care what you do from that point. But if you are full left, left-footed and everything, you can't sit in ever. 
Yeah. You can never go to a bar and change somebody's drum set around. You can't jam with your buddies. You can't go to a friend's house and, and just turn his drum set around. And yeah. we've had that. I mean, it's been a huge, huge problem here at, at our camps because my drum set is set up with microphones and all the cables are going underneath the stage. It's, yeah. And it's all set up for camera angles. It is not easy to turn my drum set around for one camper to come up for 20 seconds to try out the pattern we're all working on. Yeah. And so I've literally told campers, I will discount your next camp if you spend the time from this year to next year becoming right hand f- or right footed and stay. And, and I'm telling them, like, stay left handed. That's like, a great challenge, by the way. Totally. It's a, you have one year to come back here. And generally, when I make them play a right handed kit, besides some weird kicks, they actually play way better. Yeah. You know, I'm like, play left hand lead. I don't care. Just play it on a right handed kit. So socially, you'll be able to fit. You know, go to church and not have to imagine that on V drums. Yeah, like, right. hey, I'm at your church. I'm just going to turn your V drums around with like four thousand cables. Like, <laughs> good luck. So, I, I think you're on the right track, my friend. All right, so we have a couple more, but maybe we'll we'll save we'll save one because one's a, a more lengthy question about snare wires. So we'll talk about that. Okay, so time. yeah, we'll do the snare wires and the uh, how to practice in future episodes. All right, let's move on to some shop talk. So this is really cool because this is our shop talk. This time is going to be about snare drums, and they happen to be the new 40th anniversary edition modern drummer snare drums. So who made these? What is going on with these? Break it down, brother. Yeah, so you know we were coming up on our 40th anniversary because 2016 is the 40th year of publication for modern drummers. So in addition to all the typical uh, stuff as far as special stories and you know redoing our logo and putting new new t-shirts and stuff together, we were thinking, what can we put together to be like a really nice high-end, like real contribution to the drumming world that we'll just offer for one year. And I immediately thought of snare drums. Like, why not just do some really high-end custom snare drums, exclusive? We'll do a limited run. When they're gone, they're gone. Okay. So, and I decided uh, I wanted I wanted to kind of create, like, an essential collection of wood drums. So if I had to build, like, my dream collection of three wood drums, what would it be? Well, I would definitely start with a 55 by 14 solid maple with 45-degree bearing edges. That would be your all-purpose, can handle all gigs, you know, just a purpose, you know, a, a your basic great snare standard drum. snare. Right. Yeah. And then from there, I was like, all right, now I need something that'll cover more of the vintage kind of dark vibe. So let's go for a three ply um, and a six and a half by 14. So we've got a, a five and a half by 14 solid maple, six and a half by 14 three ply, which is mahogany poplar with an outside veneer of walnut. Wow. And then for the third drum, I was like, all right, now we need something really contemporary, kind of fusion, kind of, you know, what modern R&B kind of sound. So let's go 6 by 13 and let's oh, do cool. solid cherry because cherry has a little bit more of the birch kind of a character, more snap, more punch. Um, so that's our three core drums. So with that in mind, I was like, all right, now i got to find somebody in the U.S. because we want it to be all American made. So we got to find somebody in the U.S. I was US. just going to say, like, everything that you just nailed off, it's not like you just go to anyone and they can do that. A lot of people, no. one, don't make their own shells. Two, yep. a lot of people can't do a three-ply shell. Yep. So, I mean, I would assume most of our listeners don't know how difficult what you just listed off is for a manufacturer. Yeah. No, I mean, we it, we and we didn't want to just buy a bunch of Keller shells and, and exactly. truck drums. So we wanted to find someone in the U.S. who could actually make shells exactly how we wanted them. Who would do all handmade, you know, no, no uh, short change. So 
the only guy that I know is Bruce Hagwood of RVH Drums because he specializes in three-ply vintage-style drums and solid shell snare drums. So it was a no-brainer. He's local. I know him. He's a great guy. Uh, he had some ideas for the hardware, so he actually got custom-made uh, solid brass tube lugs for it. Oh, wow. So everything about it is unique. I mean, the drum heads are, are Evans uh, G1-coated pure sound snare wires. We got a trick throw-off with our logo uh, laser etched on it. Cool, man. Very cool. The hoops are standard triple flange hoops, but everything else cool. was like made to order, and he's the only guy that touches these drums that we know that are leaving his shop like as, as good as they can be. So yeah, they're here, and we finally got them. We got the first run. Um, we only have a few left. So you, you mean for sale? Well, the first production run. Okay. And yes. how many? Do you know how many you're going to make of each drum? Has that been decided yet? Well, we have a number, but I don't want to. I don't want to tap it off yet. Um, we'll see what happens. We're basically going to make them available all this year. So by the end okay. of this year, these drums will be gone. I might tweak like the next run. I might say, all right, let's do a different size of the cherry or something like okay. that. But for now, it's sure. a six and a half by fourteen three ply, a five and a half by fourteen solid maple, and a six by thirteen solid cherry with a curly maple inlay. It's pretty slick. Wow! And then are they all the natural color of that of the wood? Yes. So they all just gloss lacquer. Yep, not gloss, just a satin satin, oh, satin finish. finish. Yep, everything is just sweet, pure natural wood. The best. So no matter what possible. kit you have, it'll match exactly. That's yep. by the way. That's always a pet peeve of mine is when somebody's snare matches their kit like perfectly. Like, like it's like it came like they got it at the music store and it came with the snare like it just it just i don't know i it just tells me like where you're at on the timeline which is such a lie because i've seen abel laborio play like a matching snare so yeah, it's yeah. it's totally something i've made up for myself but i think what it is is it was such a huge jump for me as a musician when i decided wait i could just get a new snare and drastically improve my sound of my entire kit yeah and but I always thought my snare had to be from my kit. I didn't know that you could upgrade it by itself. And then when I did that and realized, well, I hit my toms like three times in this song, but I hit my snare a thousand times. Yeah. Upgrading my snare completely changed my drum set. And yeah. that's when it went from being a drum set to a drum kit. Yeah. It was my kit. It wasn't yours. You don't have what I have. And so so anyway, so the, what I love about you know natural finished drums is no matter what color you have on your drum set, they match. And yeah, look cool. I mean the maple is a real blonde maple. The 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 three ply, the outer veneer is the walnut, so it's actually a dark brown, nice. which is pretty slick. And then the cherry yeah, right. is is a red cherry with a blonde curly maple inlay. So yeah, they match with everything. And where do they get these? Um, you can actually actually I'm gonna we're gonna open it up to our listeners for a special rate. So you can buy them on Reverb.com for nine ninety nine a piece. Okay, but we're gonna knock a hundred dollars off. So anyway, if anyone listening wants to get one, you can just. It, Email mdinfo at moderndrummer.com, and there'll be eight ninety nine for for wow. the interim for the first. And I'm, assu- I'm assuming this is full pro level. Like this is your snare. Like when you get this, yeah. you got a fourteen by five and a half maple. It's like I'm done with my standard snare. Exactly. I mean, they cool. are they're top of the line. We wouldn't we wouldn't offer anything that we didn't put a complete stamp of approval on. Awesome. Do you have audio of them? Yeah, I do. We'll drop it in. Let's take a listen. All right, so what you're going to hear is the 6x13 Solid Cherry with a curly maple inlay. I'm playing it in kind of like a Steve Jordan kind of funk jazz vibe through the whole tuning range. So if you want to check out the other two drums, I suggest you go to YouTube and search for Reverb.com Modern Drummer Snare Drums. There's a full demo there. And we'll be posting demos on ModernDrummer.com of all three drums. 
If you're interested in any of the drums, just email us at mdinfo at moderndrummer.com. Thanks. Fantastic. So yeah, if you guys want to check out those snares, just email Modern Drummer and let them know, and they will help you out with the pricing. All right, let's move on to our featured artist. This artist was covered in the March issue of Modern Drummer, and it is Mr. Rashid Williams. So uh, first of all, who did this article? This was done by one of our long-term writers, Ken McAuliffe, who's, who's okay. New York City-based. He's he's done so many stories for us. Cool. Yeah, he's been around forever. I'm- I'm a massive Jill Scott fan, so oh, yeah. I know who Rashid is. I mean, massive. Like, since the first album, Who is Jill Scott, where she had Quest and some of the Roots guys playing on yeah. it. I mean, all the way through. I, everything. I have all of her B-sides. I have her live albums. Wow. So, yeah, I definitely know who Rashid is. And he is the perfect drummer for that gig because, you know, she can be as crazy experimental with her arrangements in a live situation as anyone as sting you know as anyone on the planet yeah and then sometimes she just needs just like a simple loop for this song she's playing and and john Legend's very similar so the two gigs that he has when you watch him play by himself it's 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 almost like he's playing to music when there's no music yeah you know i watched a ton of videos of him this morning and i was like wow man you could write songs to his drum solos oh he's our md you know oh really yeah yeah he was telling me uh i think it was a basic we hung out for a bit it's funny because he and i have a mutual connection uh he's from philly and one of my best friends is a guitarist from philly who's in jill scott's band so so we just had a connection so we just hung out and i was just asking about the md thing i was like you who's doing the arranging he's actually writing most of the arrangements but by writing he that means he sings the parts to the other players there's no written charts for that band. Oh, wow. So all those arrangements that sound super tight are just done by ear. And he's God, in charge like, so, of all that. It's crazy. I mean, like, because she has her hit songs, but I, I love when an artist 
when you know that the concert is the next step of the album, it's like, yeah. oh. And, and, and those arrangements are just unreal. It's, you kind of can go through the gamut of classic R&B, current modern-day hip-hop, and full traditional gospel in two or three songs of hers live. So yeah, now amazing. I have even more respect for Rashid. So, so you know him personally, cool guy? Oh yeah, he's probably one of the sweetest, nicest people I've ever met. I mean, I don't know him really well. We just we just kind of mutually have friends, and then met at, at Pasic and everything. But yeah, he's super sweet. I mean, he's it makes sense that he's in the gig that he's in because it felt like there's no no drama, no tension, no no vibes. Just just a cool, nice guy. That's and that's got to be a high pressure gig to just show up and and oh yeah and hit with that band and knowing that you're the one who's kind of responsible for making sure the band doesn't suck. You know? Sure, yeah. I mean, between that and the John Legend gig, that's that's pretty amazing stuff. And what's great is when you get to the point that you're MDing for Jill Scott and you're playing in John Legend's band, those gigs will lend themselves to the gigs that he'll get for the rest of his life. Yeah, know? I think even at the end of the story, he said he wanted to get into an alter- alternative rock band. <laughs> Like, really? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> he could do it. He hits, man. I, I like I said, I watched a ton of his stuff this morning, just kind of researching for the podcast, and he he hits plenty hard. But one thing I really found intriguing about his drumming that I'm always looking when I'm watching somebody for things that I can bring into my own drumming, of course. And one of the things that I really found intriguing was that no matter how complicated the parts were that he was doing in his solo vamps and stuff, they were very repetitive. He knew what he was doing. He wasn't just randomly jamming. He had a melody in his head that was holding everything together. And obviously, that's now that you say he's an MD, uh, that that definitely makes yeah. a little bit more sense. So, is there any part of his story or his journey that kind of sticks out to you, or anything that kind of lets you in a little bit more to who he is as a person and what made him who he is? You know, really the. The thing for me was just reading this and just so how casual he kind of is about the whole thing. And then you, you sit back and you, you think, well, he's in two of the most most critically acclaimed and commercially successful R&B acts out there. But yet he's he's just casual and humble and just, you know, enjoying it and not taking yeah. anything for granted. So the whole story just has that kind of vibe of, you know, this is just what I'm doing and here's my influences, <laughs> you know, it's you know, it's a good. Yeah. It's, it's cool to be a drummer. <laughs> I tripped. I tripped down the stairs and fell into the Jill Scott game. Yeah. yeah, and, uh, yeah. Well, I, I definitely think the other thing that he needs to be credited for is the fact that we're, like you said, we're looking at two of the most iconic R and B gigs, and they have a drum set player. Yeah. That's some, both of these artists could do their tours just fine without a single musician on stage. They are entertainers without a doubt. These are some of the greatest writers out there. So this could easily be done without a drummer. And the fact that he's got those gigs and that he's kept those gigs just lets you know how important he is. So, guys, definitely check out Rashid Williams. It's R-A-S-H-I-D, Rashid Williams. But just type him into YouTube. And uh, Vic Firth has a bunch of artist spotlight videos on him. Zildjian has quite a few backstage videos with him. So you'll definitely be able to check him out. He's a Mapex guy. He's a Zildjian guy. And there's... Unlike some of the people that we cover here that are a little more unknown or, or maybe not into the drumming spotlight, Rashid actually has quite a bit of material that you can check out online. And if you're looking for like the blow-me-away chops guy, he has that in his arsenal, but that's not who he is. Like I said, you're going to find that even when they let him just go bananas and solo, it still has massive pocket to it, has great repetition to it, and it's very easy to listen to. So check out Rashid Williams. All right, let's move forward into the dessert gear review time. 
Man, I am so stoked that you reviewed these snares because at the London Drum Show, yeah. they blew me away. I literally got up on the – I saw them on the first day, but it was you know typical uh, trade show noise, so I couldn't really do anything about seeing them. But mm-hmm. I, they were so amazing to me that I asked the owner, I said, what time can I come in the morning before the show <laughs> opens? Because I want to spend some time with you. I want to learn more about these snare drums. So they're called VK Snare Drums and – as soon as he folded down the throw off and there was a drum key hidden inside, yeah. I was like, yeah, like I count yeah. me in how, how much, where do I place my order? I hadn't even hit it yet. I was, <laughs> it kind of like feeds your aesthetic perfectly, doesn't it? Oh my God. <laughs> totally. And, and it's like, I just, I like gadgets. I like, I like when people say, what does that do? And I'm like, well, let me show you. Yeah. And I just, you know, I, fl- I flipped down the snare throw off and there's a drum key hidden inside. That's just, ah, oh, it was so dope. Yeah. So dope. So, which uh, which ones did you get to review? They sent me initially a batch of three: a six by fourteen titanium, a okay. seven by thirteen stainless steel, and an eight by fourteen aluminum. Oh, nice. Okay, that was kind of their whole range. Now, what I in my research, what I would learned was uh, they're actually based out of Sheffield, uh, Sheffield, which is the birthplace of stainless steel. Did not know that. Did not know that either. So that makes perfect sense why he would be specializing in basically some of the best stainless steel drums you can find. So, and he does a lot of cool stuff with laser like engraving. So the vent holes are actually they can be your own logo if you want. It's kind of crazy stuff. Like you could probably get your own logo laser engraved into this shell. It's dude. It's nuts. And I mean, it looks like he's doing everything on his own. It looked like the lugs were his. Even the hoops were his. Yeah. Um, it, it, they, they were incredible. The one thing I'm really excited about, and this is, I can't find out about this until tomorrow when you post this episode of the podcast, <laughs> but I haven't, I still, I heard them in a, in a hall and then I heard them again at Nam in a hall. I haven't heard them really. And yeah. they're so beautiful. They are, they are literally a conversation stopper. If you guys haven't seen this, by the way, what does VK stand for? Do you know? It's his, is it his name? Yeah. His name is Alan Van Cleef. So it's Van Cleef snare drums. Exactly. It's just VK, but yeah, I, I I want you guys to really go look these up. I'm, you know, I play for Gretsch. I'm not endorsed by these snare drums. He's not going to send me a free one, but if he wants to, <laughs> um, so. But I just this was like a showstopper for me. I walked around all the London Drum Show. I stopped at his booth. Then I walked around everything at Nam. Saw all the great stuff at Masters of Maples and everything else. Master of Maple, everything else we love. And I stopped at the VK booth again. I was like. Dang, these are – and he had one. I, I don't know if it was a bell brass or what, but it was about 640 pounds. Yeah, he sent that yeah. one to review next. So, yeah, he sent the next batch is that, which is – I believe it's all cast bronze, including cast the hoops. Cast bronze, okay. Everything about okay. the hoops, the lug, everything is bronze. And then he has the exact opposite. Everything is made of titanium, so it weighs like nothing. Yeah, I, I saw that too. The one and, weighs uh, like 100 pounds. One weighs like three pounds. And one is much less for him to ship to you to review, <laughs> yeah, and one right. is much more. <laughs> yeah, so we'll hit those in a future date. But these three drums were kind of like his core. You know, these are what he's kind of started his brand okay. on. They all have well, straight hoops, which are um, they're not single flange. They're just straight stainless steel bent with some ears welded on. Okay. Um, everything else is yeah. Everything everything is stainless steel on them except for the shelf. It's titanium. So the titanium. Obviously, he's not the first person to make titanium drums. Danette's been doing it, and there's a couple other companies that have been doing it. But that drum had a lot of power. That was one of those where when you hit it, you can just feel your whole body kind of vibrate. Really? Just had just that kind of power, that kind of impact. But he also is, however he tweaked the, the edges or the shell, 
he's dialed them in so they're not just pingy. They don't just ring for days or anything like that. So real kind of strong, powerful, but contained sound. The stainless steel, the 7x13, was actually my favorite because it sounded so much like the first, uh, not the first, the second helmet record, Meantime. Sure. Hell I mean, yeah. It just took me back to like middle school of playing uh, unsung with my band. I told, I know exactly what you're talking about. I yeah. can hear that tone in my head, yeah. So it has that like instantly, cool, which I loved. And then the 8x14, which is actually aluminum, that one I thought was going to be kind of an oddball, but it turns out that it's super versatile. I used it on an entire EP for a, like a modern rock band this past week. Really? Just tuned it differently, higher, lower, mid-range. It was just perfect. It kind of, it kind of has a bit of a, I don't know how you describe it. Like, what's that one band? Against me, against me. Is that the band? Rise against. Rise against. Rise sure. against. So his his drum sound is kind of fat, but still punky. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of so, what this drum does. Is it rolled aluminum or is it solid and CNC'd out? Do you know? Ooh. Was it a thin shell on the inside? I'm I'm curious. Just uh, maybe we can check that out and I'm pretty report sure it's back rolled. I'm pretty okay. sure they're all rolled. But yeah, it's a thinner thinner. It's a super light drum. The aluminum was okay. pretty light. Yeah. Okay, then yeah, it's probably rolled. That's that's awesome. I mean, eight by fourteen. That's a deep snare, man. It is, and it looks especially when it's all like metal. It looks it looks kind of <laughs> ridiculous, but I loved it. I mean, I like eight by fourteens for rock and roll. I think they're sure. way more versatile than you think by looking at them. But this one was just had kind of had had like that superphonic John Bonham vibe, but a little bit more. You kind of get a little bit more out of it. Very it cool. Tons of fun. So all three of them were great. We have audio and video of them as well. I'm actually in here. I'm just going to drop in the seven by thirteen stainless because it's just okay. It was just my favorite, so I want to drop that one in. Cool. Let's give it a listen. Now it is time to get to our picks of the week. This is a chance for Mike and I to give you guys a little heads up on something that we think is cool or something that has piqued our fancy. So your pick of the week today is what? You know, I've, I'm always messing around with drum heads and trying different stuff. And there's, there's one head that, that keeps – every time I hear a drum with it on toms, I'm talking about toms in particular. Okay. 
I'm like, what makes that drum sound so good to me? And it, it's the, it's either the smooth white Remo Emperor head or the white suede Emperor head. The two of those to me are kind of interchangeable and they're different from the clear and they're different from the coated. Right. The sure. clear has a certain, the, the clear I've, I struggle with keeping them from sounding kind of flappy, like kind of papery. That's always been my problem with the clear and the coated are nice, but they, they warm it up maybe a little bit too much if you're going for a modern rock sound. So the smooth white emperor has that like really nice snap, but it's also okay. a fat tone without all the, all the ruffle that you have to worry about muffling out. So that, I mean, I played a DW kit recently that had those on it. I, my, uh, my MCD Magnum shell kit has those on it. And every time I play those heads, everyone everyone comments on how good they sound, and I just feel like it's like a perfect match. So I would definitely recommend checking them out. Smooth White Emperor or the White Suede Emperor. Both are just great heads. Now, are the Smooth Whites, are they, do they have that glossy look? They just happen to be white Mylar? Yeah. It's, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. They're so they must textured. be mixing something into the Mylar, right? Yeah, I'm not sure what's happening with them, but they just sound really good. Yeah. I mean, I've seen them, you know, uh, they've been, that thing has been around forever, whether it be from Remo or from, you know, even other companies back in the day. Because I, I remember being 17 years old working at a drum shop and having to stock the drum head room and finding all of like, oh, this is, you know, a red head with hydraulic oil inside of it. Yeah, and then yeah. this is a smooth white head for some marching bass drum you know yeah. i think that's maybe where smooth white always stuck in my mind was marching bass drum front bass always, from heads yeah something like that exactly yeah. so that's really cool so definitely check those out and i'm assuming they make them in all the normal sizes right they do and they also make uh, a power stroke 3 version for bass drum which sounds phenomenal as well so i may be converting from coated to smooth whites on everything here i don't play with brushes too often anymore so i can't use so, that yeah. as a, a reason but i don't i don't like clear heads i just don't like the way they look i totally yeah. i i love the attack i get from clear heads but if i put clear heads on my broadcaster it would look like i just got it at the music store that's I can't. not gonna work for you <laughs> it's just not gonna work man i can't get it at the music store <laughs> i mean i don't mind getting it at the music store i just want to get it home and tweak it and make it my kit that is all i need to do now uh when you go when you go smooth white on the bottom then i'll know you've really really I'm, gone next level hey, man, i might do it all right, but I'm I would do scared. smooth white ambassador, obviously on the bottom. Sure. Okay, so they make smooth white in their ambassador, which is their single ply seven mil, and then they make it in their emperor, which is their double ply two seven mil. Exactly. So they Got have it. clear coated smooth white ebony, which is a black, just sure. a regular film uh, suede, which is kind of like a, they just texturized the film. It's not coated; it's just texturized. Okay. So they have a white suede, and then. They have their fiber skin and all that. But yeah, it's it's basically yeah. either smooth white, coated, clear, or ebony are kind of the standards. And all their I heads, gotcha. every month. I gotcha. Okay, very cool, very cool. All righty, well, my pick of the week this time is a new album. The album is called Badlands, and the artist, her name is Halsey, H-A-L-S-E-Y. We're driving back home or back to New York, uh, downtown, uh, from what the hell do you guys call where you live? Is it called The City? Yeah, I guess like, so. I mean, every, I think okay. every metro area calls that city the city, right? Okay. Isn't San Francisco yeah. the city? San Francisco or? is the city, for yeah. sure. But uh, yeah, but but in Sacramento, downtown is called downtown. Like, the city is called downtown. Okay. Maybe that's because we live so close to San Francisco that uh, you don't mess with the city. Right. So. right. <laughs> and never call it Frisco. 
ever. Really? If you, yeah. If you're on the West Coast, please don't ever call it Frisco San or Fran. San Fran. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. It's just the city. Uh, so, yeah, just going into the city. Or if you if you want to talk about going into maybe Oakland or Berkeley, then it's, you know, maybe you're going to the Bay Area. Just going to the Bay for the day. But, uh, but don't go with San Fran. <laughs> yeah. All right. Moving on. <laughs> so we were driving back to the city from upstate New York and Massa Wait a minute. Hayden. Which city? We were dri- <laughs> we were in upstate New York. Don't be an ass. <laughs> we're in upstate New York, and we're driving back to Manhattan. The- yes, we're driving back to Manhattan, and and Matt said, "Hey, have you guys heard of Halsey?" And both JP and I hadn't. And I'm a huge fan of female uh, pop, especially if it's a little bit on the darker side. So in my youth, I really loved Tori Amos, Fiona Apple. Uh, Now I really love, you know, and then I loved PJ Harvey for years. Um, And now, you know, I love, I love Lord, that kind of stuff. So I love dark female pop. So he puts on this album by Halsey. She's 21 years old and and she's the singer and the songwriter. So these are her songs. She's heavily involved in the production. Matt knows a little bit more about her than I do, so he knows how involved she is in the production. And I'm just instantly blown away. It's very, very Lord-esque. So at first I was like, are you sure this isn't Lord?" But as the album went on, it was like she has her Lord-esque so- songs that are very dark, and then she can go kind of the pop direction. Mm. So it's almost like a dark version of Taylor Swift or something. And very cool instrument uh, instrumentation throughout the whole album. But the one thing that I really liked since we had a long drive is it's a fantastic album. It mm. wasn't one song and then a bunch of filler. Uh, it was a fantastic album. I've been listening to it nonstop. It's been stuck in my head. So the album is called Badlands and the artist is named Halsey. Is there a drum real name? Oh, yeah. They're, uh, I don't think they're real. Um, I think it's all sampled. But I mean, it's and the one thing I like is it's a very loop heavy album. So if you want a, something to practice to, that can be your musical metronome. Yeah, this is a fantastic album for that. And that's as soon as he put it on, both JP, myself, and Matt actually were all like, "We need to pull over to the side of the road and practice." Like, I want to play to this right now. Yeah, I want cool. to be her drummer. So yeah, very good stuff. So check it out, Badlands by Halsey. All right, buddy, that brings episode twenty eight to a wrap. Man, we're going deep on this thing. We're cruising. Cruising I right guess now. we'll probably have to keep doing this. Yeah, you know, we need to get uh, make sure remind people to give us some reviews. We've been kind of stagnant there for a while, so hit please. us up on iTunes, please. Yeah, and that the reason why we need that it's we don't get money. There's no average. If you've noticed, we're 28 episodes deep, and we haven't brought you. This hasn't been brought by anybody yeah. um, besides Modern Drummer. So we're not getting paid for this. The reason why we need your reviews is because those reviews elevate this podcast when people are searching for drumming related podcasts, and it will allow more drummers to find us and give more people the chance to kind of get the in on the industry that we're trying to give you. So that's why your reviews are so important. So please stop by iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast from. Give us a four or five star review and then just write a nice comment. We would really, really appreciate it. All right, brother. Until next week, I will talk to you soon. See you then.